I want to invite you to grab the pew that's there in the Bible. Uh, the, the, <laughs> this is going to be a very interesting message if I don't fix this fast. <laughs> All right. Rewind. I'd like to invite you to grab the Bible that's in the pew and open it up to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, and that's on page 479 in that pew Bible. If you're kind of cramped and you just want to listen, that's totally fine as well, but we want to invite you to open up if you'd like to read along in just a second. As you're getting there, Christmas is nearly upon us. Did I get just one amen? Seriously? Is that all I got? Oh man, it must be late. Ask any child what's the best thing about Christmas, and they'll probably shout, the presents! It's almost present time. And even as adults, many of us still look forward to all the gifts too. Am I right? In our annual exchange of presents, we experience the reflection, a reflection of the love and thoughtfulness within our lives and among our communities. And if we're honest, and let's be honest tonight, even though we tell ourselves it's the thought that counts, we have a tendency to anticipate and evaluate the gifts we get. Once we rip off the wrapping, in less time, by the way, than it took to tape it there, we make our assessment, our evaluation. Is this a gift we will open now or put aside for later? Is this a gift we will mark or return or exchange or just ignore altogether? But some gifts surprise us. We get something we didn't ask for, we weren't necessarily looking for, and the gift captures our attention. It piques our curiosity. As we open and explore it, as we read the instructions, as we tinker with it, we begin to see what kind of gift this is. And what I'd like to do is invite us to open up that kind of gift tonight. It's the first gift ever given on Christmas. And I hope by the time we're done, you'll believe it's still the best gift ever. It's a present from God, and it's wrapped in the letter of Isaiah. And as you have it open, or maybe if you just have your ears open to listen, I'd like to tear back the wrapping a bit and for us together to see what God has given us for Christmas from Isaiah chapter 9. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will 
accomplish this. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The gift tag on this specific Christmas present drawing us together tonight goes back a few years, several centuries to be exact. In fact, it goes back to a world without Christmas. You know how sometimes we try to imagine that, what a world without Christmas would be like? Well, these were the days when such a possibility wasn't imagined. It was a reality. There was no Christmas yet. A long time ago, in a world far, far away, (laughs) the nation of Israel had been split in two by a violent civil war. In the aftermath of their divided homeland, the north and the south continued to feud with each other, leaving both sides exposed and vulnerable to foreign attack. Fast forward to the days of the prophet Isaiah, and we find a king named Ahaz sitting on the throne of the southern half of what had been the nation of Israel, a kingdom now known as Judah. Ahaz and the people of Judah are being threatened with invasion. An uneasy alliance between Samaria and Damascus has emboldened them to knock together at Judah's door. And Ahaz realizes an incursion of the land is imminent. In the face of this threat, Ahaz wanted to hear, needed to hear, God was with him. And so, in chapter 7, the prophet Isaiah gives Ahaz a sign from heaven. God offers Ahaz the gift of Emmanuel, of his presence through a pregnant woman, a virgin no less, who would conceive and give birth to a son, a son who would bring a turnaround in their circumstances. Now, needless to say, this wasn't the kind of sign Ahaz was looking for. This was not the kind of deliverance he was expecting. History had its eyes on Judah's king in that moment, but perceiving no value in God's gift, Ahaz took matters into his own hands. He brokered a deal with the dark side as he courted the rising superpower of Assyria for protection. But poor Ahaz got more than he bargained for. After they crushed Damascus and Samaria, as Ahaz had paid them to do, the devastating military juggernaut of the Assyrians just kept coming south, right into Judah and Jerusalem. And just like that, Ahaz and his subjects became a people walking in darkness. The deep gloom of violence, of terror, oppression, and conquest all around them, not unlike the kind of darkness that still plagues our world today. Despite all of this, God says here in chapter 9, through Isaiah, my gift is still yours. Even though you have rejected me, forsaken me, I will still be Emmanuel. I am still with you. My light will dawn upon you. I will increase your joy. I will shatter every yoke that burdens you and set you free. The immediate fulfillment of what God promised to deliver came through the birth of a new king, Hezekiah. Eventually ascending the throne at 25 years of age, Hezekiah would embrace the relationship with God that his father Ahaz had rejected. And as a result, Hezekiah's reign became one of sweeping ethical reform and great spiritual revival. While the northern kingdom of Israel soon fell to Assyria, the southern kingdom of Judah under Hezekiah would regain her national sovereignty. 
All of this, God delivered as promised. But the truth is, through Isaiah, God was in fact communicating so much more. The arrival of an even greater gift, one that would not just affect the destiny of Judah, but one that would change the course of the entire world. This greater gift is the reason for the season, the reason behind all the evergreen, the peppermint and mistletoe. This greater gift is what brings us together and gives us cause to celebrate, gives us pause to worship. It is the coming of the long-promised Messiah, the Christ. This greater gift is the one Matthew points to in the fourth chapter of his gospel as he quotes these very words from Isaiah as he directs the attention of a people living in spiritual darkness, even the shadow of death, to see the light, the great light that has dawned with the arrival of Jesus. I share this brief history lesson about King Ahaz with you tonight because I wonder sometimes whether we are more like him than we care to admit. Now, for those of you who know your Bible, or at the very least the history of Israel, you might take some offense in this comparison. Because here's the thing, Ahaz was pretty much a wicked and evil king. It wouldn't be far to say he was Darth Ahaz. (laughs) But my comparison of us with Ahaz is not about his life in total. It's about Ahaz in his decisive moment. For better or for worse, even though Ahaz probably deserved a lump of coal in his stocking, God reached out and gave him a sign that he was with him. The Lord offered Ahaz the gift of Emmanuel, his presence, his intervention in the midst of Ahaz's troubles. But because he was so focused on what he wanted, Ahaz was unable to receive the comfort, the security, the peace that God was seeking to give him. Ahaz's problem was he wanted God to be with him on his own terms, rather than receiving God as God is, for who God is. And you see, this wasn't just old, ancient Ahaz's problem. Despite our modern times, our 21st century day-to-day living, it's our problem too. It's a problem, in fact, that's known in the faith, known in the church as sin. Our problem, you see, the problem of sin comes down to this. We want what we can't have, and what we need, we refuse to accept. What we want, we can't have. Despite all the self-help propaganda out there, we cannot be the masters of our own destinies, making, up, making our lives whatever we want them to be. We can't all be gods unto ourselves. Why? Because we're not alone. Because in our quest for self-fulfillment and total autonomy, we bump up against the billions of other people who are also living with us as a part of this world. When everyone tries to live for themselves, to be their own God, we all fall short of our personal goals. We all fall victim to the competing interests of each person's self-deification. And chaos and pain and suffering ensue. What we want, we can't have, and what we need, we refuse to accept. We look around at the world, and not much has changed in the thousands of years that we've been in existence as a species. We need something. 
We need someone beyond ourselves. We need divine intervention. We need a little heavenly guidance. We need our creator to break the vicious cycle of our kill or be killed, our win or lose state of being. We need our father to save us from ourselves. The death we propagate, the death we all fall victim to because that's the only way we know how to find peace, through taking revenge, making an escape, or just falling asleep. What we call sin is the consequence of our rebellion due to what we want and can't have and our rejection of what we need but refuse to accept. Out of our severed relationship with our creator arises our broken and less than perfect relationship with each other. And this brokenness overflows into the systems we build, the governments we establish, the businesses we lead, even the very families we create. The infiltration of sin, the damage we do as cracked image bearers of God is so bad, it even seeps into and taints the created order itself. And this is why we can't help but perceive a good world gone mad. A world created out of goodness with order and purpose and yet somehow off kilter, prone to disaster and destruction. Beloved, a baby wasn't what Ahaz wanted for Christmas. He had a different wish list. Chariots, swords, a few biblical plagues unleashed on his enemies. Those were the kind of presents on Ahaz's wish list. And we all have our lists for Christmas too. Is a baby born in Bethlehem even on our list, let alone at the top? How many other things, apart from or besides God, do we want? Are we convinced we need in order to be successful, to be secure, to be satisfied? And when Ahaz believed he wasn't getting what he needed, he made the choice to pay tribute to the king of Assyria in order to buy the protection of his power and might. You might say, in other words, Ahaz bought the gift he wanted and gave it to himself. And isn't that something that we can do at Christmas time as well? When we don't get what we want, buy what we want and give it to ourselves. And when we don't get what we want from God, how tempting can it be to believe we can make our own luck? We can be the captains of our own souls and therefore try to beg, borrow, buy, or even steal our happiness our safety, our peace, and our prosperity at the expense of others. Chaos, pain, and suffering ensue. And yet, for better or for worse, despite our rebellion against him, in the middle of our rejection, our accusation that we are smarter, that we are more capable, and therefore we owe God nothing, God, just as with Ahaz, tells us he will be with us anyway. Beloved, are you here tonight looking for a sign? Are you here tonight looking for a sign that we are not alone in the universe? That life isn't random and cruel? That life has purpose and meaning? As candidates continue to debate, as promises just keep being made and yet things stay the same, are we tonight looking for a sign? A sign that lasting change is possible that hope is real, that peace is more than just wishful thinking. Do you sit here tonight, perhaps haunted by your failures, 
trying to hide your weaknesses, constantly striving to please others in order to be accepted? And are you looking for a sign, a sign that you don't have to be perfect, that your sins can truly be forgiven rather than continually held over your head, that love in your life really can be unconditional? If you're looking for a sign tonight, then look no further. Look to the child born unto us this day. Receive the gift of Emmanuel, of God's presence, of God himself with us. A gift. A gift bestowed not out of cosmic obligation, but out of joyful desire. A gift offered not out of divine pity, but in rapturous affection. A gift given not with the expectation of repayment or interest owed, but given freely out of unmerited grace. Through flesh and blood in Jesus Christ, God reaches out to us to claim us, to touch us, to hold us, to save us despite ourselves. We're here tonight, many of us. We're nearly packed in here. And in the midst of all the decorations, the carols we have sung, the carols we will sing, the Christmas story that we have shared together, we have a choice to make about what we do with this gift we have been given. Unconvinced, uninterested, or otherwise preoccupied, we can choose to leave this gift here. Leave this gift here that we have received tonight, trusting it'll be waiting for us again next year. Mildly curious, perhaps feeling a bit nostalgic tonight, or just for old time's sake, we can choose to take this gift with us until the afterglow of this Christmas fades, and then we just put it away with all the rest of the lights and decorations and forget about it until December rolls around again. Or my friends, we can choose to honestly receive to carefully open this gift we have been given, to let this gift unwrap us all our questions, all our doubts, all our confusion, and perhaps begin to realize in that moment what we have been given, an answer. An answer that is more than a political solution, an answer that is more than a modest proposal, an answer that is more than the establishment of some private religion, an answer that is in fact the initiation of a relationship, an offer of rescue, a promise of redemption, the assurance of resurrection from the one who created us come down to be with us in Jesus Christ. The answer of the Christmas story, beloved, is not about denying the problems of this world. The answer of Emmanuel is about God coming into this world, the real world, his world, and confronting all these difficulties, the chaos, the prejudice, the oppression, the violence, the injustice we face, we propagate from within. The answer of the gospel isn't about escaping the conflicts all around us, the pain and suffering we witness in our relationships within society and among nations. The answer that is Jesus Christ shoulders the burden of authority as well as the responsibility of coming to grips with the deeper reasons behind our conflicts, sin, death, and the problem of evil. And my friends, if the gift of Christmas is about God with us, acting in the real world, then this means in receiving Jesus tonight, 
We not only come to know and trust him for ourselves, but we are also invited to become part of the gift of Christmas. Jars of clay who bear the treasures of divine love, forgiveness, and grace. For you see, God is with us. God is with others by being God through us. As we become a people who put our shoulder to the wheel, who go out into the world in prayer and faith, watching, listening, and working to make a difference in the name of Jesus. Beloved, you can leave tonight. You can leave tonight and just feel good about yourself. Or you can leave tonight feeling good about the world of which you are a part. We can leave tonight changed by the gift that is given unto us all. We can leave tonight empowered by this gift to not only be changed, but to change the world around us. Christ stands at the door of your heart and knocks tonight. He is waiting to be born anew in your life and in mine, to give you the gift of his presence. Will you receive him? Will you make room for him? Will we accept this gift? For Christmas is a time when we give and receive presents. We anticipate the exchange of gifts that'll be happening tonight or tomorrow within our families, among our friends, and in our communities. And I pray that you will enjoy that experience But in the midst of all the paper and boxes, in the midst of all the ribbons and tags, regardless of the gifts we receive this Christmas, be they expensive and digital, practical and simple, homemade or store-bought, let us not forget. Let us not overlook. Let us not forsake the first and greatest gift of Christmas, the singular gift from God himself, the singular gift of God himself in Christ. For the real gift of Christmas is not just any present under the tree. It is the presence of God with us through the manger in Bethlehem all the way to being on the cross at Calvary. It is Emmanuel, God with us in Jesus as our brother. It is Christ, God for us as our savior Glory, glory indeed to the newborn king, the one who came into this broken world of sin through Mary's womb, the one who leads us forth from Joseph's tomb into the glory of a new heaven and a new earth. Out of that hope, that promise, that reality, I wish you and yours tonight a very Merry Christmas.